Welcome to From the Heart, the Diocese of Salina's official podcast. We hope you enjoy these stories and testimonies from our diocesan brothers and sisters that are straight from the heart. Thank you so much for listening. Good afternoon and welcome back to From the Heart, the official podcast of the Diocese of Salina. This afternoon, our guest is Lisa Mosier from Marshall County, Kansas, and she's also a representative in the State House of the uh, Kansas legislature. And so we're just going to visit with Lisa a little bit about her her journey and what led her to decide to get involved in politics and just the, her whole story. And it's, it's a great story. So um, Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank and, you. It's uh, nice to be here. So before we begin our interview with Lisa Mosier, let us just invite the Holy Spirit into this space as we pray. Come Holy Spirit, come into our minds and our hearts that we may hear you and know you that you're a part of everything we say and do, that you inspire us to lead others closer to you. I ask that you be with Lisa as she shares her story, that she inspires us to open our hearts to trust in you and all that we do as she has so faithfully trusted. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So why don't you uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. You were born in in Nemaha County, Kansas? I was, I was born in Marshall County. Okay. Um, and then when I was two years old, my parents moved back to my father's um, homestead, which his grandparents um, founded or came from the Czech Republic in 1877. So um, our our home farm has been in the family for several, several decades. And uh, my younger brother is currently residing there now. Uh, I went to church at St. Mary's Church in St. Benedict, Kansas, which is one of the one of the eight wonders of Kansas. If if you haven't been there to see that, uh, it's certainly worth a day trip. Um, when my husband and I got married, uh, we farmed and ranched with his parents on the western plains of North Dakota, and we went to church in a Morton building. So there was just a, a great aha moment for me that, um, you know, the church and the faith is the same wherever wherever I've been, but um, there there's great differences in what people can build to glorify God. So you went from one of the eight wonders of Kansas to a metal building in Western North Dakota, but Mass was the same regardless. It mass was Mass was the same. Still the celebration of yes. the Eucharist and the sacrifice at the altar and yes, yeah, what a great story. And so your husband, you moved to North Dakota because that is where your husband is from originally? Yes. Um, my husband and I met um, back in 1980, long before emails and texting and even cell phones. He was going to North Dakota State studying animal science, and I was at Kansas State University studying animal science. And there's a, there's a group that, that most animal science kids belong to called Block and Bridle. And there was a regional meeting of the Midwestern states um, colleges, and I met him at that meeting in Fargo um, on September 25th, 1980, actually, not too many days ago. It was 41 years since I had first met him. But uh, we had a long-distance relationship. Uh, we called on Sunday nights and wrote letters every day, and we were married in 82 and chose to start uh, farming and ranching with his folks um, like I said earlier, on the western plains of North Dakota. And Harry's father was a large farmer, besides having um, 
the the cattle herd and our hearts were you know on the cow side of things and so uh, after we were married for uh, four or five years we had an opportunity to move um, down to the northern edge of the Flint Hills in Kansas and just manage a large ranch so we we took that opportunity and brought our cows and our two-year-old son with us spent eight years managing that ranch and then uh, in 1994 we struck out on our own to sink or swim in the cattle business and uh, you know the good Lord has blessed us I mean even through trials and good times um, we know that he's watching over us and so we'll uh, we'll have our 30th bull sale the end of October which um, selling seed stock to other cattlemen has been our our main source of income for the last well this will be our 30th sale so about 30 years well, that's, that's a great story in itself before you even get to the main reason you want to share with us today. But gosh, a long distance relationship. You met in 81, got married in 82. So you probably only saw each other in person uh, one or two times in that period of time. It was a, uh, 12 or 13 times. Okay. Because um, that's a, Kansas to North Dakota is a pretty good journey. So mm -hmm. it's, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's great. And so you had a son while you were living in North Dakota. How many other yes. children do you have? We have two daughters. Um, all three children are uh, involved in agriculture. Um, our son and his wife help us with the day-to-day -day operations on Mosier Ranch. And then our son also has a separate farming entity and a truck line that he keeps himself really busy with. Um, our middle daughter is um, an office manager for a occupational and physical and speech therapy organization in Marysville and her husband's a crop adjuster and our youngest daughter is married to uh, married into a farm family out west of Larned. She went out there as a high school biology teacher and met a young man who was also a K-State graduate um, who was in, heavily involved in his family's farming and cattle operation and so. What community west of Larned? In Burdett. Oh, my my brother is the sup was the superintendent of schools for Roselle and Burdett for many years. Okay. So I wondered husband. when I saw you if you were related to Mr. Binder out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't go very far without people accusing us of being related to each other. So a little yes. bit of family resemblance. Yep. So is, what yep. a small world we're in. Yeah, it is. Yeah. In fact, I was just out there the last couple of days. Um, she was helping me with some projects for the bowl sale, and I was doing laundry and watching grandkids while she did other things. And so sure. I'm on my way home, and it just worked out to drop by here this afternoon. Very good. So you and your husband moved back here and settled in, raised three children, a son and two daughters, and got involved in raising cattle and, and uh, specifically breeding stock and supplying, having sales every year. And about a year and a half ago, you got called another direction in life. Was that kind of an unexpected direction or? It was a very unexpected call. Um, one that I had never had on my radar. Being, being a political servant was not anything I had given any thought to until last January of 2020. Okay, so it was in January of 2020 that you made the decision to, or at least started praying about making the decision that led to you being elected and serving in the Kansas State Legislature. So why don't you share with yes. us how that all happened? Well, the Value Them Both Amendment was um, up for discussion uh, during the 2020 session, and uh, there were a few 
representatives that were not supportive of having it on the August 2020 primary ballot. The particular representative for District 106 was supportive of it to have it on the November, the general election ballot, but not the August ballot. I contacted him by email and we talked by phone and at one point he called and he said, hey, I'm on my way home. He lived in Washington, which is uh, north and west of where I, I live. And he said, how about I just swing by? And I said, that would be great. And so he came to the ranch and sat by our kitchen table and I visited with him for at least an hour. And I said, you know, I've gotten emails, I've signed you know, these petitions from several pro-life organizations. I know there are thousands of people in the district that would like for you to support this to be in August. And I knew I wasn't gonna convince him otherwise. And so I asked him what his plans were for, uh, you know, running, and he hadn't decided whether or not he was going to refile to run again. And I said, well, I said, I'm, I'm giving serious consideration to putting my name on the ballot. And he didn't discourage me, and he didn't encourage me. He was, he was neutral. And before that time, I had been approached because I was a woman and because I was pro-life and because I was not a career politician and because I was, had a strong background in agriculture that I would be a good candidate. So I had told my family, I said, I'm thinking about doing this. And my husband said, you have to, you have to do this if you want to do it or you'll, you'll always wonder why, you know, what if. I didn't do it, what might have happened? So then we had a family meeting because our son and daughter-in-law are involved in Mosier Ranch, um, part owners. And um, I said, if I, if, if I do this, I'm going to be gone all spring, all summer. Um, and if I get elected, I'm going to be gone all for four and a half months. And, you know, they all were very supportive. And they said, you know, as long as you're back for the jobs that you absolutely, that you're the only one that can do, um, you know, we'll pick up the slack and it'll be, it'll be all right. And so on March 25th, I, uh, this was after all the COVID lockdowns had been in place. Um, I drove to um, Topeka by myself, um, went to the Secretary of State's office, there was no one there. I had to call to make an appointment. Someone met me at the door. There was hand sanitizers, masks. I was the only one in the building, and this other person was six feet from me. I couldn't even go into the Secretary of State's office, sign this paper, and there was already one glitch there because my address was Wheaton, Kansas, which is in Pottawatomie County, which is not in the district. And so that was the first hurdle that I had to get over because... Uh, they said, well, you're not even in the district. Why are you filing for 106? And so I had to explain to them that we lived inside the district, but our mail just came from a Pottawatomie County address. And I remember thinking, you know, this is just going to be a nightmare because it's one thing after another. I walked out of the Secretary of State's office and uh, got in the car, turned it on, and um, there was a song playing that was um, meant always meant a lot to my father and I. And um, I was very close to my dad. And it was like, that was my first sign that I should continue this journey, that I, I just needed to keep following where I was being led. And so uh, the summer I had put together a palm card that basically talked about my, my pro-life value, 
my agriculture background and my pro-Kansas values, um, you know, the importance of the Second Amendment, the importance of broadband, uh, the importance of keeping taxes low, and uh, a great team assimilated around me. Um, there were some wonderful women that knocked on doors and it got to the point where they would hand that to the person and say, Lisa's pro-life, and they and the person at the doorway would say, that's all I need to hear. I'm gonna, I'll vote for her. And so um, I, did have a, I did have a primary, and the gentleman that was my opponent um, had worked for, I think, over 30 years for the NRCS um, at, in Marshall County. We both lived in Marshall County. So he knew, he knew everybody that was involved in agriculture, and um, I, I felt like, you know, I was an underdog, and I just, uh, you know, I just went and did what I could do, and the team that I had was just amazing. There's no other word to describe them. There was one couple that uh, had seen my initial article that I put in all the papers that I announcing that I had run and why I had joined the race, and uh, the husband called and said, hey, you know, we'll do what we can to help you get elected. And they found spots to put big signs on pasture gates from people that they knew in the cattle business all across the district. Um, like I said, there were women that went and knocked doors with me. Um, it was it was just incredible, the, the support. And I knew with every person that got added to the team, it was... It was God giving me one more piece of encouragement. It's like, all these people are behind you. Just keep doing this. And so primary day came, and at the end of the evening, none of the TV stations had called the race because I was, only, I was 12 votes behind. And so over the course of the next nine days, the provisional and the mail-in ballots came in from the four, the three-and-a-half counties. And at, when the first three came in, I was ahead by seven votes. And so on the last day, when the Marshall County provisional ballots were counted, uh, my husband and I went to the, um, to the county commissioner's office that morning, and uh, you know a few of my faithful team were, were there, and the commissioners opened the 24 provisional ballots and put them in a pile, and then the county clerk took them. And um, I had lost Marshall County to my opponent by about 300 votes, somewhere in there. So it was a pretty substantial loss. I had, I had won uh, Washington Republic and the Jewel County votes, but I had lost Marshall County pretty soundly. And so with only 24 votes on the table, my husband and I had, you know, we had decided that it, you know, it was gonna, it was gonna be what it was gonna be, but that I had, I had at least tried and I knew, you know, that I had, I had finished the race and, God is in control. Um, there was nothing I was going to do that was going to change any of those 24 votes or whatever. So the county clerk came back in and she said the votes were split 12 and 12. And I was holding a small rosary that my um, my goddaughter had gotten when she was in Mexico and brought it back as a gift for me. And I had it in my hand that morning while we were sitting there. And when she said that, my husband reached across and grabbed my hand and whispered in my ear, he said, you just won by seven because the votes were split down the middle. It was, it was just surreal. I, you know, I, I really, I was okay with not winning. So then, and I won the general 75% to 25%. So 
Well, it strikes me that there were several moments you talked about things happening where it was, seems to me very obvious that the Holy Spirit was at work, just giving encouragement, uh, creating opportunity for you that maybe would not have been there otherwise, and just reassuring you all the way through the process that you were doing the right thing by moving forward. And, and it also seems to me, I don't want to project on you your own feelings, but seems to me like you were very much at peace with whatever the Holy Spirit had in store for you, whether that was win or lose, I, that you had done what was asked of you and did it the right way and, and trusted in God to bring about what he needed. Yes, I, I truly was. Um, the night of the primary election, I slept better than I had for, you know, lots of nights before that. And I really didn't, you know, I, I never uh, was, was desolate or anything about, oh my gosh, what if I lose? Because I, I didn't start the journey expecting to win. I started the journey following a call. Um, I, I read two, my husband and I read two um, meditation books every evening and invariably after I'd had, you know, a day when I basically had a, a person almost spit in my face, because when we were doing door to door during the general, you know, I'd have I'd have a really discouraging day, and there would be something in that living faith booklet that night that was just totally, you know, addressing that day and how I must keep going. And I kept track of all of those times that I felt like I was being encouraged. And between finding coins, which has a special um, story in itself and getting text messages or certain meditations or cards or endorsements. It was just, it, it's, it's, a, it's a legacy in itself of how I was led during the process. A couple weeks ago, I had a legislative update meeting and after that I got an email from an unknown person that said, you need to see a doctor. Your level of religious insanity is reaching a critical level. And then I thought, I need to pray for that person. And then I went back to my book of what I had collected all last year when the Holy Spirit told me to keep going. And it's like, yes, my religion and my faith is what kept me going, and I'm proud of that. Yeah, what a great story. So now you've won the primary and you've won the general election. So did reality set in? It was like, oh my goodness, now what? Yes. <laughs> then I got nervous because I honestly, you know, hadn't paid much attention to the technicalities of politics since high school government class. And um, so they had a two-day um, orientation for the freshmen, for the incoming freshmen. And we were just bombarded with, um, with information. And so... When we got our office keys and things, I, I went to Topeka three times before I was even sworn in, just so I could get a feel for where to park, how to get to my office without looking like I had no idea what I was doing. You didn't want to look like everybody else. <laughs> oh, that one there, that's a well, freshman. <laughs> but, a lo but a lot of the freshmen were, are very politically savvy. I mean, a lot of them, you know, that was that was their mission, and that and they were... Where yeah. I had I had no prior. And a lot of them probably have worked in politics as a bureaucrat of some kind, worked exactly. in a, as a staff person, right. an aide somewhere along the mm -hmm. line. And, and, and that is a little bit, uh, uh, well, not a little bit, it's a lot of the problem in politics at all levels anymore is 
It used to be that people ran for office and took time off from whatever they did for a living to serve. And term limits was not a big issue because there weren't what you call lifetime politicians so much. But anymore, it's almost like that's people's goal is to be lifers. And once they get started, they start as a staff person and just stay in politics. And that's all they know. They don't really know the general um, feel for being out in the countryside and what what people in the country are thinking. That's very true. Um, I've had more than one person say, you know, you and your opponent were very close, but I voted for you because you are a small business owner and you know what it's like to have a bad year or have a good year and how important taxes are and government overreach and those kinds of things. Um, and I can smile at people and say, you know, at age 61, I'm not going to make a lifetime out of this. I, we have 10 grandchildren that I cherish and, and children and in-laws and family time is very, very important to us. And, you know, I've done what I love all my life in my work. And so I'm not going to retire from raising cattle. So I'm not going to be a lifetime politician. So how were you received in Topeka by your peers, by the other legislators? Well, I was told by a wise lobbyist to keep my powder dry um, and not say too much, you know, too quickly. Don't have an opinion on everything. Don't go to the well and speak about every, you know, bill that's being debated. And which I was going to do that anyway, because I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty reserved. And so... I, I looked at this first session as definitely a learning experience, you know, and, and some of the seasoned veterans will say, oh, it was so different because of COVID. You know, we were all six feet apart. There were people up in the galleries. There were representatives up in the galleries, um, you know, so that um, our leadership did a really nice job of trying to keep us safe from COVID because if we would have had an outbreak, we would have been shut down and would not have been able to um, accomplish anything. And so the leadership team took it very seriously to keep us from having an outbreak. So I, you know, I, I'm on three committees. I'm on um, agriculture, children and seniors, and federal and state affairs, which is where the Value Them Both Amendment came through the channel. You know, just learning the rules of committee um, and then learning the process on the floor. I took a lot of notes this, this session, and there were... I think close to 700 bills that were introduced during the session in the House. And um, there were only about 70, I think, 60-some that were actually made it all the way through and were signed by the governor. So just, you know, just sitting back and learning the process, I didn't come with any agendas other than, you know, fighting and voting for value them both. I didn't have any bills that I introduced mainly just listening to my constituents and their concerns. That was one thing that I, I really learned a lot about was, you know, constituents that are having issues in the district, how, how I can help them. There's a research department at the Capitol and a revisor's department. The revisors help, help legislators draw up the bills. The research department is exactly that. They'll research any issue that, that a constituent might have and help me find a source or an answer for my person in my district. So after spending one full term now in the legislature, have, did that reaffirm your decision to run in the first place and give you hope for what can be accomplished? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, 
there were times when I felt like a really, a, truly a fish out of water. I was like, you know, what, what am I doing here? I mean, I, I came to vote yes for value them both, and we got that passed through, and it, you know, it's going to be on the ballot. The House passed it, the Senate passed it. I did what I came to do, and uh, now what? I'm, I'm looking forward to 2022 to see the good things that we, we can accomplish. Very good. And so you were elected for a two-year term. So you'll have a decision to make, again, whether God's calling you to uh, seek re-election or if you accomplished what you set out to do and got value them both on the ballot for the primary election in August of 2022. For our listeners, value them both is a critical critical vote for not just the state of Kansas, but really for our country as a whole. The eyes of the industry for life will be very much on the state of Kansas in this election process. And it really is about valuing both mothers and children and giving dignity to life, giving dignity and value to them as people, and not just simply as tools to be used for profit or gain or to be discarded at our desire. So uh, thank you for your willingness to get out of your comfort zone and say, okay, God, you know, I'm going to take a big step here. I'm not going to just be my vote, but I'm going to go and speak for a group of people and, and uh, do that. You know, it struck me as you were talking, even if the election had went the other way and you did not necessarily win the seat, you did certainly get something accomplished. You brought awareness to the value them both issue in your district and sounds like in a very positive way. And that's a great thing. That's what we need to do is get that message out to the entire state of Kansas, how important this is. Yes. And so you accomplished that whether you were elected or not. And God said, well, let's get you in Topeka and see what you can do there too. So yeah. Uh, any final thoughts about all of this and recommendation you'd have to the rest of the people in our diocese just pray about value them both and know how important that is because um, if that does not pass right now basically kansas is as liberal as new york state when it comes to getting abortions and with the texas bill that passed uh just a few weeks ago the heartbeat bill women are coming up from from Texas for abortions. We're, we're going to be a haven for that procedure if we can't rein back in the industry in, in Kansas. Um, well, an important part of that is it, it value them both means protecting both mother and child. Obviously, the child protecting it from the procedure itself. But then the mother, you know, there's no regulation, there's no restriction, there's nothing limiting them for a very, to go through a very invasive medical procedure that protects their health and their personhood. And so this is extremely important. It, right now, the state of Kansas, because of the legislation in Texas, um, we really are becoming a, a hotbed for this issue. Absolutely. So, well, Lisa, thank you so much for saying yes to God, for opening your heart to say, okay, God, I'm here to be a vessel for your work and for the Holy Spirit to work through me and doing that so willingly. I'm sure you've met many challenges along the way. So thank you for being strong in faith and, and serving us. Thank you very much. Uh, real quick, how about your family? Are they 
uh, been a little bit of a sacrifice for your husband and children and people involved in the business as well? Yes, I, I think so. Um, I know I know they've sacrificed for me. Um, my son, besides helping us on the ranch and having his farming, he, he also drives a truck, and a lot of mornings he'll leave the yard uh, before sunrise. And when I hear the semi leave the yard, I send him a text and say, be safe today. And... Um, in in May, when when session got finished, one morning he left the yard, and I sent him a text, and I said, you know, I'm sorry if this bothers you, but you know, be safe today. And he said, No, Mom, since you've been gone, I've kind of missed that. So. Well, God bless you, and God bless your family, and all of you that have made a sacrifice for all of us, and uh, that's that's how I grew up understanding politics to be. Politics was about a sacrifice and serving for the good of others. And maybe that's changed over the years to where it's more about how can I get ahead. And God bless you for being old school and doing it doing it from your heart. Thank you. Thank you, and, and uh, please thank your family and, and everybody involved. You have been listening to another episode of From the Heart, uh, this official podcast of the Diocese of Salina. Thanks for listening to From the Heart. Please subscribe and remember to tune in next time where you'll hear more stories across the Diocese of Salina.